Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you're looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. Today, your notes look a little bit different. I've given you three passages of scripture. And then on the very bottom of the back page, the second page, there's just a bunch of lines for notes for you to write um, uh, anything that kind of that you need that you want to gather and kind of glean from the message today. Um, It's uh, uh, just a little different for you this week. So if there's something you want to write down, you can write it down back there. And uh, I want to make sure you had the scripture along with it. So we are in a series on stewardship. Uh, We started last week and it's based off of these first couple of weeks are based of off of what we call in the church world the parable of the talents. I'm going to do a quick just like a two minute little recap of last week and we're going to read this passage again. So we kind of all have the same point of reference. Um, Just kind of bring it back to the front of our mind if you were here last week or kind of reintroduce the concept to start if you weren't. So the, the, the word talent in the parable of the talents. Um, that word talent does not mean ability or skill. It, the story references, references ability or skill, but that word talent means bag of silver or some type of weighted measure of, of silver. <clears throat> it's, it's finances. And so uh, the, the problem with that is that we've referred to it for the parable of talents for so long that if you talk about it accurately in today's language, it's actually the parable of the bags of silver. You know what I mean? And so then it becomes in our materialistic society a focus on this must be about money. And it's not. There's an element of it, but there's an overall message in this story that it's talking about. We talk about stewardship in in church and in Christian circles. Most people connect those things to money. Like I have to steward money. It's all about money. And the reason we do that is because our culture is very materialistic and focused on money. We're being impacted by the culture around us. If you read this story or when, you, when we go through it, you'll see that it does have a, a pretty consistent element talking about money, but it's not really the point of the, mess, uh, of, of the story. There's something deeper in that stewardship. So let's just re, reread the passage again and, um, uh, and to kind of bring it back to our memory, and then we'll move ahead. Matthew 25, 14 through 29. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money he earned and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. Excuse me. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his, from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. 
the master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting where you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. <clears throat> this story is not about money, even though money is a kind of a large component of it. This story is about stewardship. How are we using what has been given to us? There's three areas that are, that are referenced here in this story. Does anybody here last week remember the, the three of them? The three things that were supposed to be stewarding correctly. Anybody remember them we talked about them last week? Number one is time. Time. That's the first line. There's three spaces in your notes. No, there's not. Uh, sorry, because I did your notes different. Um, the time. The second one is? Talent. Last one is? Treasure, time, talent, and treasure. You, why didn't we call them time, uh, ability, and money? Because all the, the other ones start with T. <laughs> that's, that's really it. I was hoping it would help you memorize them, but we'll go over that again later. Time, talent, and treasure. So today, last week we talked about time, how to steward our time. This week we're going to talk about how to steward our treasure. <clears throat> or, I'm sorry, our talent. Our talent, not our treasure. Um, Many people in the world may look at this story, people who are not saved, if you read this story to them, there is a very real possibility that they will look and say, this story is unfair. It's unfair. Because the master gave one, one of his servants, one guy, five bags of silver. He gave the next one two bags of silver. And he gave the next guy one bag of silver. And again... We have to kind of be honest about how much our environment and our, our culture impacts how we see things, especially in Scripture. You could easily look at this in today's you know, kind of thinking and go, well, why did he give one of them five, one of them two, one of them one? I mean, that's five, six, seven, eight. He could have given them each almost like three. Why didn't he just divvy it up a little bit different and give them each three? That would be fair. That would be equal. That would be equitable. Why did he show favoritism to the first guy? That guy had a head start over the other two. Even the guy in the middle, at least he had a little bit of a head start over the guy at the end. That poor guy at the end, what did he do to only get one? Why in the world did they do something so unfair as to not give everybody the same thing. <clears throat> it's easy to put on the glasses of our cultural bias and try to read the scripture. But what we have to do is try to remove that and see what's being presented to us rather than process it through the lens of what is accepted at the moment in the culture. 
See, ideas from the culture are impacting us. It, um, it impacts a lot of people differently because we have churches today who are standing up, pro, they call themselves progressive churches, who are abandoning parts of Scripture so that they can remain popular and have their narrative accepted so more people will come. Your job as a, as a church and as a pastor is not to get butts in the seats, so to speak. It's not to fill the arena. It's not to fill the building. Your job is to fill the people and then allow God to fill the building as he sees fit through the lives of the people who are bearing fruit. That's the goal. The master in this story didn't look at one guy's socioeconomic status, his preferences, his biases. He didn't look at where he came from, his zip code, his education. He didn't look at any of that. He divvied it out in proportion to what? Their ability. Their ability. They were entrusted with more if their ability could handle more. It's not about being unfair. It's about looking at it and going, somebody had an, an ability to handle something that someone else didn't. <clears throat> I am, let me give you an example. I am not a construction guy at all. I am not mechanically inclined. Uh, if you question that, Mike uh, can tell you that firsthand. I am not mechanically inclined. Um, I am not uh, a builder. I, I'm not a good, a patcher of holes in drywall. I'm not, not, I'm not good at any of that, right? <laughs> Thank you, honey. Thank you. That's a woman who was raised by a construction man right there who can, can also attest to the fact, like, no, he is not, that's not his gifting. That's not his gifting. And I'm good with that. <clears throat> um, I've accepted it. Leave me alone. Um, but uh, so somebody I know who is really good at that, and I'm going to put you on the spot, was Christian. He had a lot of a great experience in construction. He had a lot of great experience, you know, like building and drywall and roofing. You did it all, I think, like almost all of it. He had a, a lot of great experience in that. So let me do that. Let me walk through this exercise. I should have told you I was going to do this beforehand. That would have been preparation. But just roll with me, brother. Um, so if I would say you are building a home, you're in charge of building a home, and you got, and you got to go take a trip somewhere for business, and you got three guys that are going to be uh, working on this building. You got one guy who's got the skills for everything. He can put the roof down, he can pour the concrete, he can put up the, the studs on the wall, you know, he can do the, the drywall, he can do the insulation, he can do electric, he can do plumbing. He's got a skill and a knack to see all of that. He's good with people. He has leadership ability to some, to some extent. Uh, people like him. He communicates to everybody. That's person one. Person two doesn't really do well about actually putting his hands on it but he understands it but he's a money guy he's a bean counter he's like your accountant making sure you're not spending more money on certain things than you should have and making sure you're not going over budget and he's communicating to you know another guy like hey you can't be spending that money that's guy two and then guy three the only thing he does is carry a hammer and hit nails right and it's needed but that's all he does if you are about to leave your project in the hands of these people, who were you giving the most responsibility to? The first guy. 
He's got the skill. He's got the ability. He's got the leadership. He's got the communication. He's got the understanding. He can see it before it happens, right? After him, there's somebody that's important, but not as important as him, is the the money guy. He's got to keep you on budget, right? And then these guys aren't going to be able to do every little thing, so you bring in the the hammer guy, the, the guy that throws the hammer, right? He knows how to use the hammer and nails. He doesn't know how to pick up a saw or a screwdriver or a glue gun or caulking or anything. He just knows hammer, hit, nail, go. That's all he knows, right? <clears throat> those are the three guys. You lead those guys in uh, different levels of responsibility based on their experience, experience and, their, and their talents. One is gifted in a way the rest of them isn't. This one's gifted the way these isn't, but it's a little more important this one, but not exactly this one. Who is more compensated financially? The guy who has more responsibility, number one. The guy who's compensated, but not as much as guy num number three is guy number one, because all he's hitting is hammer. The guy who gets a little bit more than one, but not as much as, uh, a little bit more than three, but not as much as one, the bean counter guy, he has a little bit more money than these guys, but it's based on their ability. If you look at it from that perspective, I'm not doling out uh, the most money to the have hammer hit nail guy. I'm looking at the one who can run the whole thing, who's got skills, abilities, and talents. It's not that I don't value him. I'm not looking at fair. I'm looking at I have a team that has different levels of ability, and I'm going to entrust them, keyword, entrust them with something to do based upon the abilities I know they have and the abilities that they were willing to develop. The have, hammer, hit, nail guy <clears throat> could probably easy, e very easily figure out how to use the screwdriver, especially if it's an electric one. I just point and pull the trigger. Yes, I, even I can do that, right? Even I can do that. It's probably easy for him to figure it out because he's around it. He's around the environment, but he isn't interested in that. He just leaves that one thing because I do this and that's all I want to do. Fine. There'll be less responsibility given to you by your master who doesn't just look at what you want to do. He's looking at completing the whole goal. The story's not unfair. The story is an evaluation of the people's ability that have been entrusted with something that is not theirs. Who made you in your mother's womb? Anybody? Scripture says this. Who? God made us in our mother's womb. He's the one who knit you together. He's the one who wove you together. He's the one who's responsible for a good lion's share of your personality and how it develops. He's responsible for the abilities that you have been given that are natural to you. He's responsible for passing them out how he sees fit. We cannot look at him and say, you gave Christian this ability to build houses. You gave Mike this ability to work on cars. You gave Ryan an ability to, the, to, to knock out higher education. You gave Dominic an ability to, to navigate the corporate world better than me. And I can't look at them and say, why didn't I get that? 
because they're not responsible for what they've been given. They're responsible for developing it. When we look at other people and allow envy, jealousy, frustration, anger, hatred, because they have an ability that we don't, it's not because we feel like we lack. Ultimately, what you're doing is saying, God, you screwed up when you made me. He knew what arenas you were going to play in. He knew what your family was going to be like. Um, he knew what your job was going to be like. He knew where you were going to go in your life. He knew what challenges and joys and stuff you were going to face. He knew all of it, and he equipped you from your mother's womb to handle all of that stuff because he's your creator. He knows how he designed you. And so going back to him, the one who knows everything about you, has never worried a day in his life, who there's nothing that happens outside of his purview, he has never been surprised when you look at him and say I wish I had that ability and hate what I have I desire that and despise what you have given me you are telling him you created incorrectly that would change the way you look at how you your ability notice in the story he didn't look at the guy who had five bags of silver and say, why didn't you make 10? I gave you five, you made five, you used your ability to maximize what you had been given. He didn't look at the second guy and be like, the other guy brought me five bags back, you only brought me two. No, why? He maximized what he had been given. What you have been entrusted with to do on the team, God's team, is specific to you. You are not supposed to look at the other person and go, oh man, I wish I was good at that and I'm not, so I have less value. Let, let me get churchy for you for a second. Uh, will the foot say to the hand, I am no value because I am no hand? Will the eye look at the ear and say, I have no value because I'm not an ear? Remember that scripture passage? You've been given a role to play on the team. Play your role. There has to be a confidence in God enough to know that he put you with the abilities that you have in the arenas that you're operating in and leading you forward to say, I don't do A, B, or C well, but I do X, Y, and Z well, and I'm going to maximize those things even if it doesn't bring me the level of profit and return and reward that it made somebody else. I'm going to be faithful with this two bags and not look at the guy who has five and say, that's unfair. I'm going to thank God that he gave that person the ability that they are faithful to him in that and rejoice because they're on my team because I can't do what they do. And guess what? They can't do what you do. You are part of a body. You are part of something bigger than yourself. And you are not supposed to be the one who goes, I'm going to go change the, the world as the Lone Ranger. You are supposed to fulfill your role in God's plan because it's his job to change the world. 
had a friend of mine many years ago after I came to, to ministry school here, I was calling back to Florida and checking on some of the guys who were in my youth group back there. And one of my youth leaders, I was asking him how he was doing. He goes, man, I've been doing, I'm doing really good right now because I have been freed of the responsibility to, to win the world. And my young, ambitious mind that wanted to go and, and I'm going to be the one that reaches everybody, you know, all that kind of stuff. I said, what do you mean? Like, I thought he was a heretic. He goes, not my job to win the world, Matt. It's my job to do what God told me to do. He's going to win the world because one man can't. Shook me for a little while. It's like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> and then I realized, wait a minute. I need to steward what I've been given. I got to maximize the, the, the ability because my ability will become my responsibility when I give an answer for it to God after everything is done. There's some bad news for you. You will stand by yourself and give an account of what you did. I was a part of a church that did X, Y, and Z. Great. What did you do with your ability? I gave an offering to somebody who did outreaches. Great. You stewarded your money in that way. That's good. What did you do with the ability I gave you? We're going to have to give an account for it. So our ability has a responsibility attached to it. Because the master entrusted his servants with something, he didn't hand it over and say it's yours. He said, I'm giving you what is mine. Now you need to look over it. And what happens when people are entrusted with things like ability? Luke 12, 48. It's not in your notes. I'm just going to read this one to you. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. I cannot allow you to think stewardship is only about your money and not encourage you or nudge you in the direction to steward your time and your talent as well because you're going to have to give an account for all of them. We talked about social media and the 30 hours a week that the average American spends on it, two and a half hours a day. We talked about all these things that we do to have distractions that waste our time going forward. We talked about that last week. Why is it so important? Because you are going to give an account with what you have been given. Those who are entrusted with much. See, I always thought, well, much is given, much is required. True, but that keeps going. Whoever was entrusted handed something by God to steward well, there's a higher responsibility on them. And that them happens to be you, believer in Christ. <clears throat> so before we allow envy to grow in our heart, to look at people who have skills and abilities that are far beyond our own and be like, I don't have that and I hate the fact that I don't have it. Before we start looking at them all jealous, remember, if you have more responsibility and you've been entrusted as a believer with more ability, more is going to be required of you. Maybe some of the reason, maybe some of the reasons that we don't have everything we've prayed for is because, because God looks at how we're stewarding what we already have. And he goes, I'm not going to waste it. 
and one step forward. And let's go one step further on that. I love you so much, I'm not going to give you more that you're going to be held to account for later on because I know you're not going to be held, you're not going to steward it, right? It's not just about wasting it. It might be an act of loving mercy not to give it to you. There's a responsibility to our talent, our ability. There's also a pitfall that comes with it. <clears throat> pitfall. Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 18. Next passage, it's in your notes. This is Moses talking to the children of Israel before he dies. This is him talking to them, reminding them of what happened when God led them out of Egypt and into the promised land. Okay? Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase and may enter and possess the land the Lord promised and oath to your, uh, on oath to your ancestors. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know excuse me, what, your, what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during those 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord God disciplines you. Observe the commands of the Lord your God, walking in obedience to him and revering him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills, a land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey, a land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing, a land where the rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble you and test you, so that in the end it might go well with you. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands has produced this wealth for me. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant, which we swore to your ancestors as it is today. <clears throat> this is a specific warning to the people of Israel that, hey, once all this stuff starts going good, once you start having success, once you use that ability to start to create wealth, once you maximize what I've been given to you, there is going to be a temptation for you to say, look what I did. Look what I built. Dang, man, I led that good. I spoke that message really nice. There are going to be a lot of people who have fallen away, who have 
taken the credit for what God has given them. The responsibility of it is this. I heard it, I heard it put this way. God gives you trees, not chairs. Meaning, he didn't give you a chair. He gave you the materials to go build it. Everything you see in this house, the cars you're driving, all of these materials that are used to create all of this, electronics, everything, your clothes, everything, is derived from something that was here before us. He provided all the materials and the ability. Notice that he says um, that there's all this, I'm giving you land where there are rocks and iron and you can dig the copper out of the hills. There is a responsibility on us to use what we're given to multiply the raw material of what is accessible to us. We have to maximize that. But the pitfall is arrogance. I did good. Not in a way that would be beneficial to be like, man, I feel like I did a good job on that. This is, this is good. I'm going to keep going in that direction. No, the, hmm. Uh, yeah, I want the credit for that. I'm the one who built that. I'm the one who designed that. I'm the one who brought all those people. I would like someone to stand up and say, look at you and recognize me because I'm the one who did that. Really? Or did you simply steward the ability and the raw materials that God gave you? We have to be careful that we don't risk losing sight of the God who gave us the ability after the ability has generated a blessing for us. Not all hardship is from the enemy and not all wealth is from God. You're going to have to look at what you're doing and the motives of your heart and say, am I trying to collect recognition that boosts my ego so that I will be satisfied? You were entrusted with the ability. The same way you're entrusted with many things, but you were entrusted with the ability, the encouragement for you and the reminder for us today is make sure that when we work that land and we develop our talent and we, and we hone that skill and we get better at it and we pick our lane and the thing that we're going to go do and we're following God's lead in all of this, but when we do that, got to make sure that it doesn't become something that we gloat and try to hold ever, over everyone. Developing your character before you get to a position of influence is critical. Why? Because many people let their talent take them where their character can't keep them. There will be opportunities for you as you develop and hone and nurture your abilities. There will be opportunities that you didn't have before that as you're moving, as you're growing, as you're producing, as you're developing, God's going to open some doors for you. But make sure before you walk through there that you have taken the time to develop your roots in Him where they need to be. Your character needs to be strong 
before your talent opens that door. Work on it now. That is stewarding your ability properly. <clears throat> the second thing that um, is a pitfall for us when it comes to ability is people worship. Because our culture loves to worship people who have what? Talent. Money, yes, but they're really looking at the people who got talent. I don't know another culture in the world that celebrates its athletes, entertainers, as much as we do. They do. There's always been famous people and things like that, but our culture just pushes people to the top. Oh, they are so talented. That person not only can sing, but sing and dance and produce, and they can do all the things. Man, they're the triple threat. They can act and all that stuff. Man, those guys are it. And we elevate people to a platform that only God should be residing on. Why? Because we're so impressed that they have an ability to do something that we can't do. But hear me, the world celebrates ability. God celebrates faithfulness. The world celebrates ability. God celebrates faithfulness. How do we know? Because when the guy who had, when, he, when the master came back in the story, when the master came back and the guy with five bags of, gold, or of silver came back and said, I've turned five into ten, he didn't go, well done, businessman. He didn't do, well done, Mr. Ability. Well done, you shrewd you know, investor. He said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Then the next thing he says is, I'm going to give you more because you've been faithful a little. And I am here. What? Let's celebrate together. Your master, almighty God, celebrates faithfulness more than ability. <clears throat> so, some of you guys might know a few of these names, these, or these faces. I didn't put names because I figured you probably know them. So all you uh, music fans in the room, um, anybody know who this is? Aretha. Aretha. Only needs one name, right? Doesn't need the Franklin. Just needs Aretha, right? How about this one? Whitney. Everybody knows Whitney. One name. We're still on the one names, right? Cool. Not one guy said that name. It was only the ladies in this room who said Justin Timberlake. Uh, what, what's going on here? It's another message. For, come back next week for part two. I'm kidding. Um, here we go. Diana. Diana. Okay. Next one. Katy Perry. Katy Perry. All the people under 30 said <laughs> Katy Perry. It was funny. Because it was, it was like, oh, I don't know. It's, it's a weird makeup, right? <laughs> one that we don't want to name. We don't, one that we don't want to name, right? There's a reason I picked all these guys, right? The one who will be unnamed. We all know this guy is. Ed Sharon. Everybody know Ed Sharon? Yeah, yeah, Ed Sharon. John Legend. John Legend, right? Him and his crazy wife. Here we go. 
Alan Stone, that's my son right there. I knew, I knew if no one else was here, Kobe would have that one. This, I'll tell you why this one breaks my heart later. And this is the last one. It took me a long time to find one that was appropriate to show in church. I should, should not Google that name very often, right? Um, all of those people, all those people that all of us pretty much know or know the majority of them, one thing they have in common outside of their celebrity and that they sing and that they're musicians. What's their one thing in, co in common? I'm sorry? Everyone started singing in church. The one that breaks my heart the most is Alan Stone because he was actually a worship leader until he went to a Christian college and gave up on his faith. Broke my heart on that one. All of those guys started in church and almost all of them ended singing about things that they would never sing in church. All of them have massive ability, talent that none of us have, at least other than Nina. Right? The ability to sing. <clears throat> I would go that far. I get to because I believe it. Okay? So everybody else in this room, including me, we don't have the talent they have. We don't have the ability they have. Super talented, super famous. Did they work hard on their talent? Some of them, but a lot of them. The one at the end, Brittany, yeah, I'm a little weird. I don't know about her. She's, she needs some prayer. Pray for Brittany. Um, used to be free Brittany. Now it's pray for that girl. Good. Um, but why did all these people wind up in a place away from God instead of serving him? The ability they had was not stewarded correctly. Now, we live in an age where, of an internet snarky commenter age, where some people might go, well, Matt, do you think that no one should go out into the world and sing as a career? Is that what you're saying? Do you think all these people should have just stayed in their tiny little Baptist church somewhere and wasted their talent? No, but I'm not celebrating their talent. That's what the world does. I'm here, not here to marvel at their God-given ability. I'm here to ask the question, how did you steward what you've been given? And if you're not stewarding it correctly, I can't look at you and celebrate. I can celebrate the God that made you. I cannot celebrate you abandoning your faith because you stewarded your ability selfishly and incorrectly. Well, Matt, how do you know that they're not stewarding correctly? Well, good question. I probably don't. But all I can do is evaluate what they're promoting with their talent. What is being carried in the message of their music? I'm going to do this for the young adults. I, I swear I'm going to do this. this is, I have to probably work up some courage to do it, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to start taking the number one song in the nation for that month and just starting the service by reading the lyrics to it. See? 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 Y'all y'all are new. Everybody knows. Why? If I played the song, everybody would be like, yeah! Okay, let's read the lyrics now. No, 
no, no. Why? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Right. You can't. The majority of them. Right? You can't do that. Um, and it's funny how when people tell you, I just like the music, and I say, well, buy the instrumental. Well, it's not the same. You're right, because it's not just the beat. <clears throat> your ability and your talent, the world focuses on that. But your talent is just a vehicle that will carry the message of your life. Some people like cars. I like them. I like them to work. <laughs> Mike's laughing at that one, right? I've seen him nine times in the last three months. He's even tired of seeing him. <clears throat> right? This car's broken. Which one? I'm like, all of them. Um, right? I like him to work. Yeah, you know that. I like him to work. But my goal is not to polish up my vehicle in my life. My goal is to make sure that the vehicle is properly functioning and ready and a little eye-catching. Why? Because there's a message that I'm delivering to a certain group of people through it. Your ability is not anything more than your opportunity to open a door or to carry the message of your life to somewhere else. And when you realize that, it helps kill the pride in you. How many people have seen worship leaders at a church kind of begin to get full of themselves after a while? Why? Everybody come tells you, oh my gosh, you're so talented. And so what do they do? Focus on the talent. It's not everybody. I don't want to just generalize an entire group of people that I'm very familiar with. There are some people out there who are like, I'm going to refine this gift so that when I open my mouth, the message that comes out of it is impacting to you. When we talk about ability, a lot of people think, art-based, singing, dancing, public speaking, drawing, painting, things like that, right? It is not limited to art. If you're good with numbers and have a skill in computing those things, that's an ability. Well, it ain't like the singer. See how easy that is? It's not like the guy who speaks all the time publicly and goes out there and studies. It's not like the guy who's almost the, the vice president of his company. What's your role? Fight the arrogance. Fight the envy. Play your role. And don't worship the ones who have talent. Now, let me add one more little caveat to that. Don't worship the ones who have talent outside of the church and inside the church. <clears throat> there are many good people who have been constantly told in the church, oh, you're so talented. Oh, you have so much ability. Oh, my gosh, I wish I could do that like you. Da, 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 da. And guess what they did? Didn't have the character to sustain all of the praise. Did not deflect that praise back to the one who gave them the ability. And what happened? 
they got in trouble because the people were focused on their ability. We as a group, a body of believers, a congregation of people who are in fellowship together, need to encourage each other consistently. We do not need to do it to the level that a person becomes big-headed because we then participate in their demise. I don't want to lose that person. I don't want them to go to another church. I don't want them to go sing somewhere else. I don't want them to go preach somewhere else. I don't want them to go somewhere else. I want them to be here. Why? Maybe God's prepping them in a place like this to go to another place. Will it stink not seeing their face all the time? Yes. But if he decided to breed some, some deep roots, some meaningful, refined character in this place, and then take them to a place that that needs to be exampled, we should celebrate them on the way out. That I got to build my thing. It's got to be my church, our name. I'm building this house. I'm sure you've heard that before. I'm not worried about this house. I'm not trying to build this house. We as believers need to be concerned about God's plan more than our own and using our ability not to make sure everybody knows the name of RCC. No, they need to know the name of Jesus. And that's where your ability opens the door to carry the message you have. And God is not going to be impressed by the number of people that came to your concert because you worked your vocal, uh, your vocal range up to a point where it's so dynamic. He celebrates faithfulness. We can't look at someone who's talented and elevated, elevate them to an, a place of influence over us if they don't exhibit faithfulness, which is a spiritual fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. <clears throat> the last thing I want to draw our attention to is the commands given to those who have talent. So that would be to all of you. Romans 12, 3 through 8. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. It's Paul talking to Christian people in the church. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Interesting. We all belong to each other. In His grace, God has excuse me, given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Here's the implication. If you've been given an ability, he wants you to do it excellent. Do it well, meaning you can do it 
not excellent, and not well. There are many people that I have met over the course of my life who have relied and defaulted on a natural ability that they never harvested, but it was just enough to kind of help them get by. And they could navigate their life with it, so they didn't take the time to develop that ability. Take the time to steward and develop the abilities you have been given so that they are maximized and excellent. Not so you can be the man, not so you can be the woman, not so you can be the one that everybody looks to. No, so that your vehicle is operating properly to carry the message of the gospel as a believer. I'm trying to build a legacy. I'm trying to build a kingdom here on earth. Stop it. Build his kingdom. You ain't going to be here to enjoy it. There's a, there's a, there's a, a limited amount of time you guys got here. We talked about that last week. All of us. Limited amount of time. So maximize the time. Maximize the ability that you've been given. There is a way to have these abilities and not do them well. It's convicting for me that he, uh, that he uh, addresses teachers. I'm like, oh, dang it, he's talking to me. I got to make sure I don't just come here with an ability to teach without spending the time to refine it, to find a proper story. This doesn't go here. This kind of sounds like a whole different thing from another message. I could really use this scripture, but I'm not going to bend it out of context. There's a lot of work that goes into it to refine it to serve you. All of us have begun a measure of talent, so maximize and develop it. Netflix or hone my skill. Kill a whole bunch of time or use it wisely. get by on whatever my ability is and I can just kind of skirt through the rest because I got a personality and I can joke it out and people just kind of make up for my lack or refine that skill. Notice that he says, we're all many parts of one body and we belong to each other. The first group of people that, we, that should be served by your gifts is other believers. That's not a recruiting message for RCC volunteers. That's the command of scripture to say, find a way to serve the people in your local fellowship, other believers, before you go and pour it out to the world. And you are still supposed to pour it out to the world as an evangelistic measure. But I should walk in this room and look at the skills and ability here and not be like, do well. They got somebody else to play the piano now. It's not going to be me. I would love for that to happen. Honestly, at the moment, <laughs> I'm carrying too many things. I got too many hats going on, right? But I know it. Oh, there's another piano player here. Well, what's the first thing that happens when another piano player comes in? There's a little thing in me that goes, oh, I don't really want to lose that. <laughs> Why? It's not about the ability. It's about the recognition. Instead of going, oh, my gosh, we could so use that. That helps me to free up 
just focus on this and not turn around and have to play something afterwards. I'm not griping about it, but do you understand what I'm saying? Rejoice when someone else's ability is on display. The world is trying to compete with each other. Let them compete until they're blue in the face. The people of God in here should celebrate. Woo! I got Harvard certified dude on my team. Oh man, I got people. Oh man, we got people who are excellent with kids in here. We got people who can fix anything. We got a homeless mom who who is sleeping in her car with a couple of kids. We got people in here that are givers that'll pay for a couple nights hotel. Somebody who will fix the car to make sure she gets to where she needs to go one time. Man, oh dude, I'm glad I'm on this team because if that car would be worse if I touched it. You are not competing with the people that are sitting in this room. They are on your team and God has strategically put them in this place for this time to do something specific. So when you see somebody operate in that gift, don't look at them and be like, and roll your eyes. Rejoice that God loved you enough that he sent someone that is going to serve you with that gift in this capacity because you can't sing. I'm not looking at anybody specific. I can't sing. The pastor doesn't embody all of the spiritual gifts in a single person. He is a guy who might have a couple of niches on some of these things like shepherding and teaching, might have those gifts. But the, the pastor and the guys who speak up here are not the super Christians that they get to qualify because they have all the gifts. Heck no. I am painfully deficient in a lot of areas that I rely on other people to navigate because I can't do it all. And the American church demands the people who run the church be experts on everything. You got to be edgy, but not controversial. You got to preach the Bible, but also talk to the culture. You got to be a social media genius and someone who hates being online. You got to be an Instagram star and someone who's not out there tempting other people. You got to recruit for the church and not worry about the recruiting for the church. You got to take an offering and not worry about the money. You got to preach and then come down and make sure that everybody's taken care of. That's impossible for one person. So, RCC, believers in Christ, take your place. Some of you have, have an ability to do something, but you looked at me and Nina and we're like, oh, they got it. They're so talented. No, we don't got it. You're not here to watch us do a Sunday show so you can feel good and have a pat on the back and go home. You are here to be fed, but also to serve somebody else with your ability. So however it is, serve each other. It may not even be in the context of a Sunday service. If you cook, we should be eating good. <laughs> That's a little selfish one. That's a little selfish one. That's my bad. But what that's going to take is an honest evaluation of yourself. What are you good at and what are you not? And if you're not good at it, who cares? There's probably somebody in here who is.
You are not supposed to be the end-all, be-all. You are supposed to point to the one who is. So my challenge for you is to begin to invest in developing your skill. <clears throat> I like the first uh, part of the, the message when the servant who, or uh, verse uh, 16 and 17 of Matthew 25, the servant who received the first bag of silver, or the five bags of silver, immediately began to invest the money and earn five more. The second servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned, term, earned two more. I think I identify with that guy. I'm not sure on the investing, but I can get to work. So invest the time and money in developing the skill you have, not so you can be celebrated by the church or the culture, but that you can have a doorway in of influence with your ability to carry the message of the gospel to someone else. And when you do that once, there is something that happens to you, you're like, I will carry this the rest of my life. Begin to invest in that. Get to work. Refine the message. Determine the cause you want to get involved in. Follow the Spirit of God as He's doing this. But listen to me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't lean on your ability. Lean on his direction of what you're supposed to do with that ability that you didn't give yourself, but has been entrusted to you to steward. I also realize there's probably a, a um, let me say this one more thing. Stewarding your talent means spending time, money, and effort developing and using the raw material of your God-given talent. And to tell you the truth, that's the hardest for me. I don't want to spend the money on me. It feels selfish. It feels that way. But if I don't learn and grow and develop, I'm not stewarding what I've been given. I also realize there's probably somebody in here who is at the point of you you have believed the fear and the lie or the, you've been beat down enough in your life to go, I don't have any talent. That is a lie. I don't have no ability. Lie. We just read, God has given every single person, especially if you're a believer, an ability. You've been given an extra ability if you're a believer that will help serve the body. But you have been given an ability. If somebody goes, Matt, I don't know how to even determine what my ability is because I didn't think I had any or I just, what do you do naturally well? That other people go, how do you do that? That's a starting point. There's tools out there. Strength finders is one of them. Shape, please, for the love of God, avoid the Enneagram. Don't go down that road. But there's other places to go and, and try to help. There's tools that are created by believers to try to help you determine what some of those giftings are. But the first thing you have to do is start with the God who made you and ask him. I'm, admit it, I'm human. 
I've kind of looked at myself like I don't have an ability, don't have real special gifts, there's nothing really special about me, and there's a part of that insecurity that's pride. I want other people to come to me and tell me how good I am so I have to play like I can't do something well so that feeds my pride. I'm not saying that's you, but I'm saying that if you honestly don't know what your gift is, your ability is, start with him and say, God, I know you've given me something. I can't see it. I'm sorry I can't see it. Show me what it is in a way that I would understand. Pray and then start looking forward. How do I find this out and develop it? I'll be happy to walk you through a couple of areas. Nino is really good on this leadership stuff. She has a lot of history. Uh, history and books and stuff of helping find some of these things. We'll be happy to walk you through it if you genuinely don't know and at least give you a tool to start that process. But when you figure out what it is, because you do have a gift, spend the time to maximize it and develop it. And warning, how you start developing is not where you end developing. You might think your gift is in music and singing, but it's actually running the sound. You might think your gift is running the sound, but it actually should be in music. As you progress forward and grow in your relationship with God and he begins to open up doors for you, he's going to nudge you in a direction. If you're leaning on your own understanding, your limited, finite, fallible knowledge becomes your compass. And that should never be the case, especially when developing the raw materials of the ability that God has given you. You have it. Develop it. Be excellent. And carry the message of the gospel in it as a vehicle and delivery system to the world who only sees the ability. And when they see it, open up the doors of the Ferrari that they are, oh my gosh, look at that ability. Open up the door and be, oh, it's not here. Let me show you what's under the hood. This is what drives it. And it is nothing but my creator, the almighty God. Should there be a little bit of, ooh, I better do this? Yeah, because you're going to give response. You're going to have you're responsible for it. You're going to have to give an account for it. But there also should be some excitement because God's got something to do for you to do. And it's going to have an eternal, an eternal impact.